Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can help us by reaching others by investing at trinitysandiego.org slash give. Thanks again for joining us. Now here's Pastor Katie. Hey, you know, I was reading in um, uh, the book of Mark this week and reading about the woman with the issue of blood. And, uh, you know, she was bleeding for 12 years, sick for 12 years, dealing with something for 12 years. And I don't know about you, but that's a long time to have to be dealing with the same things over and over. And she got so desperate that she uh, just knew she had to get to Jesus. She just knew Jesus was it. If she could get to Jesus, that was what she needed for her healing. And so the story tells that there's this huge mass of of crowds around Jesus that she could barely push through. But I just imagine this woman kind of elbowing her way in, uh, even maybe on the bottom. And the scripture says that she reached out and just touched the end of his garment. She didn't even touch him. And the scripture says that he felt the power leave him that went into her body. But you know what else he felt? Do you want to know what else he felt? He felt her faith. He felt faith in her. Because he turned around and he said, woman, you are healed. And I wonder how many of you today have been in a situation for 12 years. You've been in a situation way too long. And you are asking him and you know that you are desperate for a touch from him. Does he feel your faith this morning? Does he feel your faith that you can, t- if, if you just get in his presence, he can heal you. If you just get in his presence, he has something for you. Does he feel your faith this morning? I'm asking you because I want you to ask yourself the question, is my faith bigger than my doubts? Because he has something he wants to speak to you this morning. This isn't even my message, but I felt I needed to share it with somebody. Does he feel your faith? Because faith is where the seed is implanted for miracles in your life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We've been talking about faith all morning. None of us talk to each other, by the way. Pastor Bob did not talk to me. Pastor, we, uh, Todd and I live together, but we don't talk about everything that we're going to say on Sunday morning because we, we believe we're led by the Spirit of God. And so God wants to speak to people this morning about their faith. And I think this is a, a timely word because we're talking about planned vision, dream, and vision for more in our life, right? So when I say the word more to you, when you think about what am I looking for more in my life, what comes to mind? Don't say it out loud. (laughs) Unless it's a good thing, okay? (laughs) You can tell your neighbor if it's a good thing. If it's not a good thing, then just let's just keep it to ourselves, okay? But everybody is looking for something more. We're looking for more money, more uh, promotions at work. We're looking for... Uh, If we rent, we want to buy a house. If we own a house, we want to sell the house to get the profit. We're looking for more. And this morning isn't just about money, okay, but it's about more opportunity. We We need more time. I don't have enough time. I need more time, right? That's a big one for people. And I want to address uh, the word more because when we talk about having a vision for more, I think culture defines more differently than what the Bible defines more as. Culture says more is your driver, right? And more as a driver in the driver's seat of your life will take you places that you don't plan to go, okay? Case in point, 
first, or my, my first trip to Las Vegas was actually on a work trip without Todd. By the way, if you don't know us, and it's like your first or second time here, would encourage you to fill out one of those Canada cards, but um, if you don't know us, we love the Vegas, okay? We love the Vegas. We like going to Vegas. It's one of our things. Do not judge us, okay? We keep it clean while we're there. We hand out tracts about Jesus. I'm totally kidding. Do not, we don't do that. I'm totally kidding. The new people in the room are like, oh, what are we doing here? (laughs) And Hillary's laughing. She knows. I digress. Okay, we love the Vegas. So my first trip to Vegas, I went on a work trip, and it was without Todd. And so I was like, babe, we have got to go to Vegas together. I love the shows and the lights. It's exciting. Um, And then when you're there for three days, then you're done. (laughs) You're like, okay, get me out of here. Um, But we went our second time to Las Vegas. It was together. And I had had kind of an idea of where we were supposed to go, but we flew in at night. And I had only, I had been there, I had flown in at night the, the time before, but throughout my last, my, my previous trip, I had kind of learned how to get from the airport to the Las Vegas Strip. And so we were staying on the Las Vegas Strip again, and I had a kind of an idea on how long it was going to take for our ride to get us from McCarran Airport to our hotel that was on the Las Vegas Strip. So we get in this cab. Yes, it was a cab. That was before Uber. <laughs> Not trying to date ourselves, okay, I'm just saying it was before Uber, an actual yellow cab that we had to get in. And so what happens when you get into the cab? We get into the cab, the cab driver says, where you want to go, where are you from? We tell him we're tourists. And so then he's like, ah, cha-ching, you know, like tourists. And so he starts the meter immediately. And so he starts off on the highway. And I, like I said, I have kind of a vague idea of how long it's supposed to take for us to get from McCarran Airport to the Las Vegas Strip to our hotel. And about 20 minutes in, you know, we're going by, by the Strip. We're going by, you know, we're Mandalay Bay. I see these things that look familiar to me and that where I should be exiting, I am not exiting. I am going further and further down the highway. And I'm looking at Todd. He doesn't know. And he's just like ha- taking it all in. He's all excited. First time to the Vegas. It's a big deal. And so I'm like looking at him. I'm like, babe, it should not be taking us this long to get to our hotel. It should not be taking us this long. We've been in the car for 25 minutes. Meanwhile, the meter just keeps going up, right? Meter just keeps clocking away. And then he starts to take us off on these exits that are like these weird side roads in Vegas. And if you've ever been to Vegas, if you've been off the strip, it's not awesome, like the strip, okay? No offense to Vegas, but when you go, you just, just stay on the strip. Um, so if you get off of the strip, though, it starts to, he starts driving us in these shady kind of ghetto areas, and they're not very well lit, and it, they look really rough. And so we're kind of like, um, are we going to the strip or, or what? And I'm looking at the meter, and it's at $50 already uh, for this ride. And I'm like, this is not right, okay? This guy has taken us all over trying to, t- trying to raise his wage. And I I said to Todd, I was like, you got to say something because he's not taking us to the hotel right now. And I was like, this thing is going to cost us a bunch of money. And Todd's like, I've never been here before. And I'm like, okay. So we're having this argument in the back seat. And I'm just like, excuse me, sir, uh, how long is it going to be till we get to the strip? He doesn't speak English. Okay. So then he's like, ah, you know, 
two minutes, two minutes. Okay. So then like, as soon as I draw his attention to it, then I'm like, Oh, right around the corner. There we are at our hotel, you know? So we drive up and it's $75 for the cab ride that took 45 minutes. Okay. How many of you guys know if you've ever been to Vegas, it should not take that long to get from the airport, right? Like I, I, I rest my case. Okay, but this idea of more in our culture is kind of like a bad cab driver, okay? It will take you places that you don't want to go in dark, shady areas, and it will make you pay more than what you want to pay along the way. If you're constantly looking for more success, more opportunities, more money, uh, all those times, of th- what culture defines as more is a poor driver because it's, it's, it's rooted in greed, Right? When you wake up in the morning and it's based off of, I need more clothes, I need more money, that's the wrong type of more. But the Bible actually does talk about more. He wants, God wants to give us more. And that doesn't mean that material things are bad. So when we talk about this idea of vision for more, I want to talk to you about it in terms of thinking about it like a seesaw. Right? There's like a seesaw effect. When we get too heavy on the material things and the material wealth and what God, what we want God to give us, it's too heavy, right? And, and, and it outweighs the virtue that God wants to build in us, the more, more peace, more joy, more of the spirit, which actually leads to the abundant life, right? But when we get it out of balance, we get mindsets, in each of those places. When we're too heavy on this side, we've got a gimme mindset. We go to God and we're like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I need more. But when we're too heavy on this side, then we, then we say, oh, it's, it's not good to have material things. God doesn't want me to have nice things. That's not true. So I want to just say right, right now, out of the gate, uh, there is a balancing act in play here when we talk about vision for more. And I want to give a scriptural boundaries on how to look at what the Bible says about giving us more. Because it says in Ephesians 3.20 that he can, do immeasurably, he can do immeasurably more than what we can ask, hope for, or imagine. The Bible uses the word more a lot. So he wants to give it to you. It's just there is a formula and there is a context in which we are to pursue those things. And I think part of the confusion, so Jesus even talks about this. In Matthew 7, 7 through 11, it should be up on the screens. If you have your Bibles, how many of you have like an actual paper Bible? Good, we've got a few that have an actual paper Bible. I like the paper Bible. I know some people like the electronic. That's all good too. God can speak through any of it. I was just curious. That's all. It had nothing to do with it. Uh, It says, ask and it will be given to you. This is Jesus. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. It's pretty straightforward, right? For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. This is, uh, the next scripture is him saying, how good is God? Which of you, if your son or if your daughter asks for bread, will give him or her a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much, say it, let's say it together, more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What we get out of balance is the formula that is attached to the scripture. You see, we we sometimes think, well, Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. I'm asking. I haven't received. What's the deal? Because there's a formula attached to it. It's, I call it the formula of firsts. 
okay? Or some people refer to it as the law of firsts. And here it's found right here in Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The psalmist was just, it was strategic, I believe, to put delight yourself in the Lord first and then he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, when he's on the throne of your heart, when he's, he is the number one focus of your life, when he's first, all of these things come after it. There's a formula of first in play if we're going to have more in our life, if we're going to see expansion in areas that we long to see expansion in. If you're not putting him first, you're not going to see the expansion. That's how it works in the kingdom. Look, it says in Matthew 6.33, this is Jesus, but seek first, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be given to you. I think there's a direct correlation between much, having much and more. And this is where the seesaw kind of comes in again. So we tend to think that more means more activity. So if I want to have more, if I want to have more material things, I got to work more, right? Because I got to make more money to afford the things. Or it means that I have to say more, say yes to more opportunities if I want to get more promotion. You see, we tend to think that it requires more activity on this side to get more of what we are wanting for in our life. And you define your more. In fact, right now, I just want us to take two seconds and just quietly think, okay, what is the more that is driving in my life? What's driving my life? And you can take out your phone. You can write it down. Y'all know what your more is? You can identify it. Um, Now, it doesn't really matter what that word is that you wrote down, whether it's a material thing or if it's a spiritual thing. uh, it It can be driving you. And so you have to be careful about where it is driving you to and what the motivation is. You might be knocking on... Uh, some doors that are taking you to places that you uh, no, you don't necessarily want to go. You know, one thing about the cab driver is that um, it was dark out, like I mentioned, and the cab driver was taking advantage of the lack of vision that we had in the car. He was taking advantage of it because he knew that we couldn't see. We weren't clear, exactly clear about how we were supposed to get to where we were going to go. And the enemy will take advantage of your lack of vision for your life. If you don't know exactly where, where you're going and what you are believing for, when we talk about more, he will take advantage of your lack of vision. And he'll lead you down dark, shady paths that have not a lot of light. Okay, so we've got to have a clear vision on where God is taking us and where he's leading us because he wants to give us more. That's, that's, the, that's the moral of the story that I'm trying to tell you. He wants to give us more. But our mindset about more has to shift in, in, if we're going to really see him do a work in terms of expansion in our life. I don't know if you're knocking on the doors of maybe workaholism to get more. Maybe it's the doors of relationships to fill loneliness. Maybe it's doors of circumstances to be exactly right to have peace. This was a big one for me that I've had to learn to release is that I have been constantly knocking on the door of, I need to have everything right in my circumstances and then I'll have peace. Does that sound familiar to everyone? Yeah. 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 Big one is the door of fixing problems to control our circumstances. We think we have to fix problems so that we can control outcomes. But I think what Jesus was talking about when he said, but seek first, 
the kingdom of God. He was talking less about fixing and more about focus. He was saying focus is, is, what, it, is what leads to more in your life. And there, it's the formula of first. It's, it's not a coincidence. I think he was very strategic about putting seek first, first. And then all of these things will be added unto you. Delight yourself in the Lord first. And he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, sometimes we get in a pity party with God because he's not giving us the desires of our heart. Like, like he said, if I ask, then I'll receive, and I'm not getting it when I want it. And we have this pity party, like, what are you doing? You told me, you promised me that if I asked, you would receive. Well, maybe you don't delight yourself in him first. Maybe you're saying, if you give me what I want, then I'll worship you. That's not how this works, unfortunately. That's not how this works. When you submit and you surrender everything, your heart to God, and your desire actually is to spend more time with him first before you go to that TV or that phone in the morning. That's where you start to see a shift in things happening. You start to see abundance start creeping into your life because you have now operated in the law of firsts, the formula of firsts. I think I only hear Pastor Bob and Todd, so maybe they're the only ones that, that like this message. That's okay. I'm going to say it anyway. Until we seek him for just him. For just him. Not for improved circumstances. Not for more money. Not for more things. Not to fix problems. Until it's just him that's enough. There will be a disconnect in how we can relate to him. There will be a disconnect in how we understand these scriptures. Disconnect can feel scary. That can feel really scary, right? But I actually think that disconnect doesn't need to be something that is a fear for us because we typically associate it with being cut off, right? He's cutting me off. And cutting, being cut can be painful. But Jesus talked a lot about the vine and the branches. And when a vine, a vine is beautiful. When it gets big, it grows strong. But the branches can grow into places like foundations and fences, and they can ruin things if they're not pruned and cut. The, there's an importance to being pruned and cut so that you grow in a healthy direction and that so you can produce more, right, in your life. So if you feel like you're being cut this morning, it's actually a good thing. <laughs> Everybody's like, mm-mm, doesn't feel good. That does not feel good. But this is what Jesus says. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes or bear fruit. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so that I will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. He says, live in me. Another translation says, remain. Remain in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. When we remain and we live in him, when we follow the law of firsts, when he is first, the abundance comes, separated 
that disconnect that I was talking about, separated. You can't do a thing. You can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown onto the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home with you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes and when you mature as my, as my disciples. My first point today is more is given when stewardship is proven. More is given when stewardship is proven. Now, what's stewardship? Definition of stewardship is the conducting and supervising or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. More is given to you when your stewardship of what already has been given to you has been proven. What do I mean by that? That doesn't mean just finances. That means time. I heard this thing the other day. What if we tithe 10% of our time to the Lord? We tell, we tell everybody, if, you, if you're a member of the body of Christ, uh, you should be tithing 10% of your income. But what if we tithe 10% of our time? Do you know how many hours that would be? If we gave God 10% of our time, it would be two hours and 22 minutes a day. And now everybody in the room is like, how am I going to do that? I can't even get up 15 minutes early, right? Don't panic, okay? Nobody's judging you, okay? And um, I'm grateful that there is no actual rule in the Bible that says you have to tithe 10% of your time, <laughs> right? But if we think about the law of firsts or the formula of firsts, what if every day we said, okay, God, I gave you 10% of my income. Now I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my time first, I'm going to let you work in me first. I'm going to let you put seeds in me that you want to bring about a harvest out of my life first. What if we stewarded our time well? What would be the result? I wonder. I have these friends. Um, oh, I, I do want to say that more always comes with... Uh, when, you get, when you have responsible stu- stewardship, um, there's a, a caveat with more. Um, more time, more money, more uh, relationships comes with a caveat, and it's a good thing, okay? So don't, don't get your walls up, but Luke twelve forty eight says, For to whom much is given, of him much shall be required. And from him to whom much was entrusted, much will be asked. You see, some of us have not received what we've asked for is because we have not stewarded what we've been given and what we've been entrusted with already. And, and, and this is not about proving to people, by the way. This is not about proving to me or to the person sitting next to you that you're a good steward and, you know, you tied 10%. This is, this is about you, between you and God. This principle is all about you and him today. That's what I'm talking about. So the caveat comes with when you are entrusted and when you have been given something, you are entrusted to take care of it and to honor it before the Lord. And when that is proven before the Lord, not before people, that is when more comes. My friends, Colin and Melissa Higginbottom, do you guys, I think most people know them. Yeah, probably like half the room knows Colin and Melissa, but they spoke at our vision night a couple uh, couple years ago. And um, knowing Colin and Melissa now, if you met them today, you would never believe what I was about to tell you. (laughs) Um, But... Colin, before he was, had a radical encounter with Jesus, he was living in his truck, um, like voluntarily, 
because he thought that it was dishonorable to the Lord to have wealth. He thought it was actually evil to own nice things. He thought it was actually evil to have wealth. And so this mindset that started to overwhelm and overcome him led him into living in his truck in a parking lot. And he got delivered from that spirit. Well, fast forward about 10, 15 years, uh, Colin and Melissa live in Madeiras now with one of the biggest houses in the complex. And he is one of the most successful businessmen right now in the flooring industry in America. How does that happen? Right? That's what everyone in the room is asking. They're like, that's a great story. Tell me how. So, and I had the same question. So I sat down with Melissa. His wife is one of my very dear friends. And I said, Melissa, tell me how this happened for you guys in actually such a short period of time. This actually happened over the span of 10 years. And um, their business exploding. And I asked her, I said, I need you to tell me what it is that Colin did to, you know, have such success and I'll never forget what she said. It was the most simple answer. And she said, absolutely, number one, Colin pursues God first every single day. There is not a day that goes by that that man does not get up at 4, 35 o'clock in the morning and gets down on his face and he goes to prayer or he gets in his word. I have, I have come out in the living room most days and he is in there worshiping God by himself, not in front of other people, but before God because he wants to be a good steward of what he has been given. And every year he has increased in business sales. Every year that this has been his practice, when he practices the law of firsts, the formula of putting God first, seeking first his kingdom, all of these things are added unto him. And the reason, they're the most generous people. That they, they, they operate out of a mindset of generosity where they're like, we make money to give it away. <laughs> most of us are like more 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 give me more give me more give me more so that I can pad my bank account they get more because they're constantly building the kingdom of God with it they're constantly sowing back into the church they're sowing into ministries all around the world that's why they have as much as they do that's why when you guys went to vision night a couple of years ago if you were able to be there you all were inspired by their story and so I was inspired by their story and I started praying, God, how can I be more generous? By the way, this principle does not just apply to money. I'm just giving you those two stories. This applies to time. This applies to anything that you want more increase in your life. Okay? But I saw what they did, and we were at a cap financially of what we could give, Todd and I. Okay? There was no way that we were going to be able to be more generous than we already were. And I was like, oh, dear God, I said, I don't know how to be more generous. I don't know how to give more. Um, can you give me opportunities to be more generous? And so he gave me a business opportunity. And I will tell you that I have been putting into practice the law of first every month. I get paid every month with my side business, and it's only increased. I gave the largest amount I've ever given this last month because I have practiced. I made a commitment to the Lord before God. It was, not, it was not to anybody else. I didn't tell anybody else what my motivation was. I did tell Todd, okay? But I didn't tell anybody else. It was before him. And some months, you guys, let me tell you something. Some months it's hard to put into practice the law of first, especially when you get more, by the way. Because when you get more, the temptation is to hold on to it and to be like, ooh, I could use this for the vacation fund. <laughs> 
I could use this. That's the temptation is when you get more. And so more is given when stewardship is proven. And especially when it's, it gets especially harder when you get more money. So be careful what you ask for because to whom much is given, much is required. It's quiet in here, but that's okay. It's all right. Uh, my second and final point, I'll have the worship team come up and join me. More is given when gratitude is in the driver's seat. And greed puts, or I'm sorry, generosity puts greed in the back seat. I'm just going with the driving analogies this morning because I feel like we're talking about more. Um, more can be a, a, it's a vehicle, Right? But you don't want greed to be in your front seat. But you, ba- you break the back of greed in your life with generosity. If you struggle with holding on to money, or this, this is not just about money, so please do not misunderstand me. This is about our time. Maybe you struggle to be like, I can't serve. I don't have time. I don't have time to show up for Bible study. This can be about time. If you choose to evaluate what is in the front seat of your life, more is given to you. We do this thing called groceries and gratitude. Did you guys see that video um, with with Kim about the community food connection? They have tripled actually in the last four years, I believe, on how many people they serve in our community. So we say 14 to 1600 families. Those are not individuals. Um, If you're not familiar with the community food connection, they're right out in the back of our building and they operate Monday, Wednesday, Friday, feeding people from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. And this ministry was launched out of the church under Pastor Bob's leadership and has um, uh, branched off and they are now their own nonprofit. But this is our opportunity, church, next Sunday. I want you to really take account of this, to bring groceries, to make a contribution It may not cost you that much, or it might be a big sacrifice to bring two bags of groceries to donate to other families that may not even be able to have a Thanksgiving dinner if you you don't bring it, okay? So let this be an opportunity where you express generosity, believing that the stewardship that you are implementing over what God has given you and you are pure before him and you're operating in the law first will be multiplied, okay, when we operate like this. Gratitude, though, is an interesting, it's an interesting thing, right? Because it's like one of those things that we talk about all the time in the church, but particularly focused on this time, time of year. Like, I don't know why for whatever reason, like this time, of course, it's because Thanksgiving, okay? Like, I know why. But, um... The Bible talks about being thankful always. It says rejoice in the Lord always. But in, like certain hard seasons can make us want to be like, I don't want to say thank you because I'm not thankful for what I'm going through right now. Not thankful. This hurts. And it's dark. And I never wished for this. And this isn't my fault. So I'm not going to thank God. Trust me, I've been there. I've been there. That's how you feel about a situation that you're walking through. In fact, I was just there a little while ago. 
about a year ago, Todd and I started praying over a situation that we had no control over. And we didn't know how we were going to get out of the situation. There was no way in a human equation to be able to figure, out, figure it out. By the way, if you're constantly trying to figure it out, you have taken faith out of the equation. Um, we're not called to figure it out. We're called to walk it out. That's why it says walk by faith. But we were trying to figure it out and figure out a solution. And it was this thing that we, uh, was too big for us, too big for us to handle. How many of you have gone through situations that are too big for you to handle? So what we did was we started operating in the law first. We took the situation, almost like, almost did it like in a physical stance like this. We placed the situation in our hands and then we got on our knees every morning. And the first thing that we did was we laid it before God. We said, we don't know how this is going to work out. We don't know when you're going to make a way. But we know that you're the way maker. We know, we know that you're the miracle worker. And so we just keep laying it before you. And we prayed that for about a year. And that was way too long for me. <laughs> you see, when I, when I prayed that first, I was like, good, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the law first. Okay, ask and you shall receive. And I expected an answer by the afternoon. <laughs> it's usually how we work, right? And the longer that I had to wait for the answer, even though I was operating in, a, in, in the formula of the law at first, made me angry and frustrated with the timeline. And so I wasn't grateful for the situation. I wasn't grateful for the season that we were in. But I got wise counsel after about a year. And this person said to me, Katie, God knows what he's doing and he knows the whole picture. He knows the beginning from the end. You remember that, right? He is the alpha, the omega. He wrote your story. So he knows how this turns out. What you need to do is express gratitude for the season that you're in because he's not giving you something before you're ready for it. You see, sometimes we want more responsibility. We want more influence. We want more money, more opportunities. And then we crumble because it's given to us too early. Look at child stars, you guys. Justin Bieber, I don't care how you feel about Justin Bieber, okay? I think he's great. He loves Jesus now. But he will, he will be the first one to say, I was 13 years old and a billionaire. I had women throwing themselves at me and I didn't know how to handle it. Why do you think he went through the season that he did? Because if you're given something, if you're given what you want, if you're given too much too soon before you're ready for it, before your character is strong enough to hold you up underneath it, you're gonna crumble. And our God is too good to do that to us. He is too good to give us something that we cannot handle, that our character cannot sustain. And so we were praying. And that day after I had that counsel from that person, I had a breakthrough some, somehow in my spirit and in my mind and in my complete thinking about what I had been going through and what we've been walking through whole year. 
and that that afternoon I went on a walk with my kids and I just said thank you God for the season that I'm in thank you God that even though it doesn't feel good right now that you've got a solution coming thank you God for the season that I am in thank you thank you thank you even if it doesn't look right right now even if it looks dark and the, and the future doesn't seem clear I thank you for the season that I'm in right now and you want to know what happened first I had peace and freedom And after a week of me praying that prayer consistently and from my heart, I meant it. I wasn't just saying it, I meant it. I said, thank you that you have not given me something that will crush me before I'm ready. Within seven days, things started to move on the situation. We started to see things start to come together supernaturally that were by God's hand, not ours. Because when it's God that's moving, you won't have to lift a finger, right? When we trust him with the law of first, you can, yeah, amen it, because that's the truth. When you're trusting him for the breakthrough, when you're trusting him for reconciliation, when you're trusting him to bring vengeance on a situation and you choose not to revenge, to try to take vindication into your own hands, when you trust him, you won't even have to lift, lift a finger. When you're operating in the law of first, I would like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning.